talking about these four walls, Lord, they keep going and going, spreading all throughout this neighborhood, Lord, all throughout this town. These words keep going, Lord. We've stood here in this place. We've taken this time to stop what we're doing, to come lift you up, Lord, lift you up and give you glory and give you honor and praise you, Lord. We've watered you and we've watered and we've blessed your name, Lord. We, we, we put our amen with it, Lord. We believe that it's what you are, Lord. With our hearts, we testify and we're witnesses, Lord, that you are God, that you are God alone. You're the only one we'll bow to, Lord Jesus. You're the one that we love. You're the one that we adore, Lord. You're the one that's here right now in this building. The great Elohim, the great I Am, standing present once again to fulfill your word. Lord, you promised, you promised where two or three would be gathered in thy name, Lord, that you would be in our midst. Here we are this morning, Lord. Hearts full of faith, believing your word, Lord, believing that this is the kind of a God that you are, that you're not dead, that you are alive, that you care about our lives, that, that you move on our behalf, Lord, that, that you'll come and honor and vindicate your word by bringing it to pass. Oh, we can testify of that this morning. You're my healer. You're my provider. You're the lifter of my head. You're the one that gives peace. You're the one that brings joy. We love you so much today, Lord. Bless our brothers and sisters in this place, Lord. Each one of us come with many tests, many loads, many struggles, many things that we're going through, Lord, in our life. And Satan throws things at us to keep us distracted and to keep our eyes off of you, Lord, to perhaps keep us from, in this moment, entering into your presence. But he's a defeated being. Satan, you heard me say that. You're a defeated being. You got your back broken at Calvary. You have no power. You're nothing but a liar. You're nothing but a bluff. You are defeated by our precious Lord Jesus. Oh, great captain of our salvation, king of kings, Lord, you are who we worship. You are who we love, Lord Jesus. Move in this place this morning, Lord. We didn't come, Lord, with great speech, with great excellency of words, Lord. We come in power and manifestation of your Holy Ghost. This can't just be me today, Lord. This can't just be me. This can't just be us in this room, Lord. We need the dynamics, the feeling, the mechanics, Lord. Lord, to get us to moving, to have your way here today, Lord, to quicken hearts, to quicken our lives, to bring us alive in your presence, Lord. We would be sitting here this morning just as a dead old stick, Lord, if it wasn't for you. That I just like the same stick Moses picked up off the desert floor, Lord. Asked him what you had in his hand is what you asked him, Lord. Later on, they find that same stick sitting there in the presence of the Lord and that Shekinah glory and the stick that had been dead all those years starts to bloom in your presence, Lord. We stand here this morning in that same Shekinah glory that gleamed all through that room, that place, Lord, in that temple, in that tabernacle. Here we are yet again, Lord, in the presence of the I Am, Lord. Let our lives come alive. Let our light, our begin to shine, Lord, with you shining all around us, all through us, Lord. Have your way, Lord. We surrender all that we are to you in this room today, Lord. Every thought, every idea, everything we assumed, we lay it at your feet, Lord. We long to be taught by you this morning. We want your way. We want your life. We want you, Jesus. Speak to your people today, Lord. And we'll give you all the honor. We'll give you all the praise, Lord. We bow at your feet and worship you with all that's within us. In your most precious and lovely name, amen. Amen, amen. God bless you this morning. God bless you. While you're standing just for a few minutes, if you'll turn me to Revelation chapter 5, and ask you a silly question. Do you love the Lord Jesus? Do you love him with all your heart? Have you 
taking advantage this morning of your time in his presence to worship him, to tell him how much he means to you. It's easy to get distracted. It's easy to have things to, to, to I, I noticed sitting back there even myself with the different things trying to come into my mind while I was trying to enter into that presence. Satan is constantly asking you to distract you. You understand that this morning? He's constantly out to get you thinking about your grocery list, thinking about your bills, and do all the things that he can to keep your mind off entering into that presence. Today we're at part nine on this study of who is God, what is God, and where is God. And I've so thoroughly enjoyed what God has done for us. What he showed us in this, and we've we've told that we've mentioned that a lot in the last so many services. If if you go back through your mind, if you had that ability to pull up everything you think about God and every image that that you would maybe when you go, because you've got to keep your motive and objective right. You've got to you've got to understand who you're coming to. You've got to be able to know who you're entreating. You gotta, if you were to go to your mayor this morning and you had a, something with your town, you had a fence dispute, or maybe with a neighbor and you wanted to go to the city council or, or to your mayor or whomever, the ordinance of that town that would control that, and you would say that you're the final say in this matter and we need to know exactly where to work this out. Or, or if you had a, a, a different kind of little institute or regulation in the town, you want to be able to work it out with them. If you had something bigger, you'd go to the governor level. If you had something bigger, you'd go to the, 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 the state level, whatever it be, to the Supreme Court of that state, or even to the president. You would go to that. You would know how you would approach that. If you were to go to court this morning for a certain trial or, or maybe someone uh, you, were, you were suing someone or, or they were suing you, whatever it might be, you would know whose presence you're coming into, and you wouldn't walk in and, oh, well, I just I, I don't know why I'm here. I, I come unprepared. You see where I'm going this morning? You want to come prepared to the house of the Lord. You want to take that time in his presence, Lord. You want to get prepared. You're not here to talk to some judge. You're not here to talk to some mayor. You're here to hear from the king. Now, if it was a judge and he were to say, you know, this is your, this is your petition, this is your petition, we come through and I will make this decision. And that decision could easily be, uh, it could be, uh, you know, it could be questioned. It can go up to a higher court. With the one we're talking about, there is no higher court. This one we're talking about, if you had maybe go to your governor and say, for our, maybe we've been in some kind of need of some disaster relief or something on those lines, and, and we need this amount of money, or we need this to change, and we need this to happen. Your governor might say, yes, I want that to for you. I want that maybe to happen, and that sounds like a good idea, but I don't have the capacity, I don't have the money, the funds, or much less the power to bring it to pass. So you'd have to go over his head. And you would eventually get to someone that maybe could in this realm. Again, the one we're talking about, all things are possible to this morning. You want to know who you come before. You want to know who you're entreating. You want to know to bring your request. And I've said this all the time, I want to know how to get every prayer answered. I want to know how to get every prayer answered, not just I'm going to bow down and, and I'm going to ask this and we'll go, I guess that's been an hour, I guess we're done and, and we don't know if what will happen. No, I want to know that when I kneel, when I bow my head, my heart in prayer, that I've stepped right into that throne room and I know the one that's there who is the creator of heavens and earth that's worthy of all adoration and all praise, that I know that he hears me and I know that he'll bring it to pass. You with me this morning? kind of a God do you serve this morning? Turn to Revelation chapter 5, verse 9. Revelation chapter 5, verse 9. And I, I've been studying on that, that just this morning. I didn't know which way the Lord would lead, and I'm reading through those uh, chapter 4 and chapter 5, and I got hung up on verse 9, and I read it 30, 40 times, and, and I started to realize where the Lord was going this morning. 
And I, I want you to listen to this, and I want you to read this. Let, let your ears pick it up. Let your eyes see it as we read this. Let this, this scripture, which is creative. You believe the word of God is creative? For one, you believe it's eternal. The thoughts of God are eternal. You believe these are the thoughts of God. You believe they're eternal. So if they're eternal, then it's got to be God because God's the only one that's eternal. So if it's eternal, if it's God, you believe that he's a creator, and you believe these become creative. So you think about where focusing with a heart full of faith, what it will do for you as you read these words. And they sung a new song saying, they sung a new song saying, Thou art worthy, thou art worthy to take the book, to open the seals thereof. For thou wast slain and hast redeemed us to God by thy blood out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation and hast made us and hast made us unto our God kings and priests and we shall reign on the earth. You may be seated this morning. You believe the word of the Lord? You believe the word of the Lord this morning? Do you believe who he's talking about this morning? Again, this is you. Now, we all needed a redeemer. Am I alone in that? Am I the only one that needed a redeemer? We needed a redeemer. Now, redemption has two parts. Redemption is a going out of, a coming out of, and a going into. It's a coming out of whatever you were in, whatever, uh, whatever muck, whatever mire that you were in, and it's coming out of that and going into him. And seated together in Christ Jesus in the heavenly places. So you'll see what I'm going with that. You had to come out of yourself. You had to come out of whatever it was that kept you in that realm. Now, whether you were only, maybe you lived a completely perfect life, Maybe you never, never never, told a lie, never stole, never had lust, never any of those things, but maybe you had a problem drinking. Maybe you like to drink beer. Maybe you like to drink liquor, and you would only spend your time at a bar doing those things, but you had no other issues, no other struggles as far as a, a person could be in their flesh with except for the one problem, and yet you notice that in that bar, everything wrong happened. Everything wrong happened, whether it was fighting or rioting or, or lust or, or adultery or fornication, all those things that happened. Most people say they, you know, they met their ex-wives in bars, and you understand where I'm going with that. A lot of bad things happen in a bar, and it's a, not, a, not a good holy place. Nobody wants to disagree. Okay, it's not a good holy place. It's not where you'd expect to find God. And you would maybe, if you were looking for the Lord, you wouldn't walk into a bar this morning looking for the Lord Jesus. You want to know where to find him. Now, why, as far as just the way you're hardwired, you wouldn't expect to walk into your local watering hole, your local tavern, tavern looking for the Lord Jesus. Why would you not expect to find him there? There's something going on there that separates you from him. There's something going on that separates you from him. Now, it, no different if you were in any other place of establishment, whether it was drinking, whether it was smoking, uh, it was smoke shack, or you got your marijuana distribution, all those things, and all those, that you wouldn't expect to find the Lord Jesus there. No different than each one of us here this morning, we have a certain set of beliefs. You wouldn't expect this morning to go to a Catholic church and find the Lord Jesus. Anybody? Why not? Something's different there. It's in His Word is where you find Him. It's in His Word is where you find Him. See, that word is creative. That word is eternal. And that word is the way. That word is the way. 
You believe that this morning. That word is the way into the holiest of holies. And it must be the word. It must not be the church. It must not be your district presbyter. Any of those things, it must be what the word says. That's the final word. That's the final say. Nothing else matters. Nothing else matters but what the word says. You follow me this morning? Turn back to Revelation chapter 4. We've been talking a lot lately about dimensions and different different realms of being. And, and we understand that we live in the fourth dimension. First three is time, matter, and space. And then you have your, that's where your first three, that's where your radio waves and your TV waves and all of those things are. And then you find yourself in the fourth dimension. You yourself this morning do not have the ability to reach out and touch that TV wave that's passing through this room right now. You don't have the, the ability to touch the radio wave. You believe it's coming through this room right now? This is something most people would understand this, that you would say the radio waves, the TV waves. Sure, I would admit that. I don't think that, uh, that, that there's not, you know, the building, it blocks something as far as maybe not be able to get cell phone service this morning, but you still can get cell phone, so cell phone service in this room. Everybody, understand? So you understand that's moving through this room right now, but you can't see it. Can anybody see a cell phone wave at this moment? You can't? Can you hear it at this moment? But if you were to pull your phones out right now, you would see you have service. If you had a radio right now, you could pull it up and you would be able to tune in some kind of station. Maybe, that's uh, it, an interesting thought there, maybe if you were to tune in a local station, maybe something here in Wichita, maybe something in Hutch, be able to get a local station. A, a better receiver can go further out. A really cheap radio might only get just a few stations in Wichita, 25 miles away, but a good radio will get all of them and maybe go further away. And then you jump into a satellite. Listen to me now. You jump into a satellite radio. They can pick up stations all over the planet from that satellite. We're talking about receivers. Receivers. That will be able to pick up something you can't see, you can't hear, you can't touch, you can't see all the five senses. You have no access to it in this realm, but you know it's there. See, your knower doesn't have, it doesn't, it's not affected by the body. The, the body, you have brain waves, yes, but that's not where your mind is at. That's where your brain's at. The mind is a part of that spirit. Your brain, if it's not functioning right, it doesn't be able to fire certain types of synapses, be able to carry a thought through, and that can mess that up. But you also have little darkness and pivots and rust spots or holes in a spirit that would affect that body. You understand, once that spirit gets fixed, the spirit will fix the body. You believe that? Because the spirit, that spirit is light. That spirit is a being of light. But you can't see your spirit. Not with the very eyes that sit right in front of where the spirit stays. But you know it's there. I, I don't hope I'm not going too, too, too crazy on you this morning. Uh, you've at least heard, if you don't know or seen for yourself, you've at least heard of someone that was brain dead. Okay. You've at least heard of that. So I don't, don't want to go so far. You're like, that's just fantastic and out of, out, of, out of source. But you've at least, each one of you heard of someone that was brain dead but probably had a good body. Nothing wrong with the body. Good heart, good liver, good kidneys, good lungs, all those things. But there was something wrong where the lights wouldn't come on. You follow me? No brain wave. We see that everything's there. And that you've heard of, I'm sure you've each heard of it, that there's, things, oh, there's no reason why they won't wake up. There's no reason. No reason why, why it's because the spirit's not there. But once the spirit comes in the body, it comes right back up. You understand, for those of you that believe the message, that you, you'll find that many times it was told about Brother Branham when the Lord would step him out in a vision, he would leave his body. 
Sister Media would say she would touch him. There would be no breath. She would touch his body. He'd be cold. He'd be white. He, the life left the body from wherever the Lord took him. And then he'd bring him back, and it would reanimate that body. Now, this seems very maybe silly in, in just a natural, ordinary thinking. But we're not telling you, again, that you're from this world. I'm telling you from, your, from that world. And that's where your life comes from. That's where everything you love comes from. That's where you're going back to. And you can't go back to it unless you come from it in the beginning. We spent a lot of time on the last so many months on the good seed and the bad seed that Jesus talks about in all four Gospels, about the good sower going in the earth, and then you have the evil sower. That evil seed cannot go there because it did not come from there. You understand? It can't go there because it didn't come from there. So you, if you're a seed of God, if you've been baptized by the Holy Ghost and you've had that fire quickened, now you have what is there, you've had it in here now. That makes you in heavenly places. That makes you a, a, a redeemed, adopted son of God. That makes you have eternal life. That makes you God in flesh. Not to be worshipped, but if Elohim lives on the inside, and Elohim, we've read that parable to you about where Jesus said, you take this and you put it in there, and this from the kingdom, putting it in there, will make all of this the kingdom. So if you take God and you put God in here, that makes you that kingdom. Let that set in a minute. Think about that a minute. <coughs> You're being made in his very image. Do you agree with me on that this morning? You're being made at this moment in his very image. Do you believe that? Okay, keep this thought going. He was said about him, he thought it not robbery to be equal with God. Jesus thought it not robbery to be equal with God. And we understand the reason why that could be, and you would easily accept this, is because he is God. He is God. What God did, and we share that about redemption, each one of us needed a redeemer. And it was a very interesting and intriguing path that God, Elohim, the I Am, chose to redeem you. Very intriguing. Now, you would each one of us agree that he made the sun, he made the stars, he made the moon, he made the planet. You would think that he could have redeemed you any way he wanted. Do you believe that? Do you really believe God could have redeemed you any way he wanted? So then why did he choose to do it through a human body? Why would he do that? Why would he choose to take on human flesh, to create a body, and put it in the womb of a virgin, she had to be a virgin, put it in the womb of a virgin to bring forth life. Why would he do that? What would the point of that to be? He is the first fruit. He's the way seed to show you the way home. You would agree, he's from there. He came here. You would agree, he's from there. He came here. And as he is, so are we. So if that's true, that means that how he came, you understand where he come from, put in the human body, but the way he went is the way you'll go. Do you believe that? So uh, you know, even for the example of those that had to go by the way of the grave, there are those here this morning that might go by the way of the grave. There are those here that will take a rapture, that will take a translating of your body. You will not like a sheet float up in the sky because heaven is not up there in the sky. You understood that back in the 50s, 60s, and 70s, when they had the astronauts go up and they took into space, they went up on the moon, most people became atheists from that point on because they said, you see God up there. No, I didn't see him. All my life I was told God was up there. And you're now telling me there's nothing up there. 
So we don't understand. I was told he's there, but he's not there. The heavenlies, the heavenlies, he's in the heavenlies. I would think that's the heavens. No, that's just the atmosphere. That's just the sky. The heavenly is a different dimension. The heavenly is created by heaven who is a person. Heaven's a person. Am I alone with this? Heaven's a person. Heaven is the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. You would agree, you've done this before, that, that wherever he is, that makes it heaven. Would you agree? So if you were to go right now into a place that was perfect and beautiful and you felt no pain, you had no sorrow, no struggle, no, no any of those things, you who love the Lord and you went there and you were there without him, would you still call it heaven? Why not? Because heaven is where he is. Heaven is where he is. So the day of the, the baptism of the Holy Ghost in, in, in Acts 2 when the Holy Ghost fell upon those 120, they were in one room. They were in one accord. They had surrendered their hearts and their lives to God. You understand that when they walked in the door, they left much different than the way they came in. That there in Acts 2, when they these men come in the, in the door, they were very sorrowed. Their, their Lord Jesus had died. Their Lord Jesus had passed away. And he they saw him, death, burial, resurrection. They saw him ascend. They saw that. He told them to tarry together until... Carry them together until, and they're in this room. They're scared. They, you, you understand this is the same Peter just a couple days before had denied the Lord Jesus before someone that would grab him and chunk him with the Lord Jesus. You understand that? So obviously he's scared. Yes, he had failed. The Lord said, you will deny me three times before the cock crows. He, and he said, yes, I did that. I'm still scared. But then a couple days later, they're in a room, maybe like this, in a room where they got together in one heart and one accord, and it started changing the room, changing the atmosphere. Ordinary old room, ordinary old walls, ordinary old floors, but something started to change. What was the change? Hearts started surrendering. Hearts started surrendering. In one heart, in one accord. I love you. I love you. I love you. We might disagree on something, but I love you. We might disagree on something, but I love you. I, I love you. I, I'll give my life for you. It's not just God in heaven. I'll give my life for my brother and my sister. It's not just the Lord Jesus. Will you give your life also? Then Peter denies him when he had the opportunity. No, no, that, that was then. Now my life is different. Now I'll give my life for you. No greater love hath a man than he give his life down for his brother or sister. No greater love. Something has changed in the person. Not the clothes. Not now you were, uh, you were a beggar, you were a pauper, and you were wearing holy clothes, and now you're in a nice fine suit. Or not once you were in an Armani suit, and now you're in overalls. The clothes had nothing to do with it. Nothing to do with it. Uh, maybe, got, maybe something was healed. We were talking about that yesterday. How that many times in my life, I've been healed of many things in my life. To God be the glory. I've been healed of many things in my life. Well, I told just on Wednesday how that my I had hurt so bad, started Tuesday night, and then all the way up to right at church time on Wednesday. That's probably the worst I've ever hurt. Hurt so bad in my hips and my legs and my knees and my ankle, and it was just nonstop pain. I, I was driving, <coughs> was driving home from work, 
Joseph drove home and he, we swapped drivers over here and then we was listening to a sermon and from there to his house to my house all the way all day long and even driving home, no relief, no relief, no relief, no relief whatsoever. No matter how I said, I couldn't get any relief. I hurt so bad, no relief whatsoever. Listen to that sermon from there to my house, from me driving, on the way there, he took it all away. I pull up to my house. And I pull up to my house. When I got into the truck, walking around from the passenger side to the driver's side, pain, pain, pain. I get in the truck, I'm driving away. And then I get, I don't know where it was, it stopped. I get home, and I get there, and I get ready to get out. And I, and I knew that as soon as I swung over and my legs hit the ground, it'd be that test. Is the pain there? I swung around, my feet hit the ground, no pain. I walked up the hill, walked to the house, no pain. I started crying because he took it away. He took it away. I went from what I would call, from my little experience, excruciating to no more pain whatsoever. But yet, within an hour or so, it come back. Within an hour or so, come back. And you would have some people say, well, you need to go see a doctor and see all those different things. I, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not talking about that realm. I'm talking about hurting real bad and then stop hurting real bad. I don't care if you want to say a doctor will do it or God will do it. All I know is the pain stopped. Now, I understand. I understand the reason for the pain. I understand what Satan was trying to do and, and to stop the service here Wednesday night. I understand what Satan's been trying to do ever since. And I'm just one. I'm just one of us. I know that he's attacking you the same way. Am I the only one? Satan not attacked you. Sister Rosa last night sang a song and testified of how much the devil had come against her so much. But Satan's defeated. He's absolutely defeated. But Satan will try to put these things on you to where that you could sit in this service right now. And per se, the Holy Ghost was to fall in such a way that you would be able to look around the room in your chair and see a tongue of fire on each and every brother and sister's head and you not have one. You not be able to enter into that dimension. You not be able to enter into that moment because Satan has so put all this junk on you with pain, with discouragement, with distraction, with anything he can to keep you from sliding into that dimension. kind of strange to talk about different dimensions when you're only four-dimensional in this form. Your spirit's not four-dimensional. Your spirit is not bound by these four walls. By, we don't have four walls, but, but your spirit is from there. Especially if that spirit's been quickened by the Holy Ghost. See, you, you would understand how that, that, that a same old, or, and, and I say that a lot because we're sitting here this morning, ordinary people, in an ordinary clothes, in an ordinary pew, in an ordinary building, but we serve an extraordinary God. We serve a supernatural God. And it's not that we in on our own selves go, mm, I want to go right into his presence. No, you have to surrender and bow to him. And once that heart is surrendered and everything else falls away, then that steps into that presence, slips into that anointing to get you access to that anointing. And we were talking about this the other day too. You know that, that the difference between Saul and David was the difference between Saul and David. Saul had been anointed by Samuel to be the king because that was the people's choice. That was not God's choice. That was the people's choice. It's what the people wanted. They wanted someone who was head and shoulders over all the rest. They wanted someone to go out and fight their battles, to go out and to come in. That's what they wanted. You understand that? That's what they wanted. And Saul, Samuel told them that what this man will do is that he will tax you. He'll take your sons. He'll take your daughters. He'll need them for to help to fight in this war. He'll need them to help cook. All these different things. And to be able to bring them into it to do what you don't really want to do. But that's what he'll do. But, and so God, he used him for that moment. But then the difference between that, the Spirit of the Lord left Saul. It left Saul and went to David. Now, David was a young boy. 
David was not head and shoulders. David would not have been the first person picked on a football team, on a basketball team, on a volleyball team. He'd have probably been the last pick. You understand, he wasn't big, he wasn't strong, he wasn't any of those things, but he was God's choice all the time. All the time. Always was God's choice. Before David was ever born, he was God's choice. So when he had Samuel come along and anoint the eighth son of Jesse, the eighth son of Jesse, he had seven other brothers. All these were bigger, stronger, maybe uh, better looking men than what David was. He'd bring this one from, no. He'd bring this one, no. Bring this one, no. And then he said, is there any more? Is there any more? And this is interesting because we're about to start reading in chapter 4, verse 1, that's at the end of seven church ages. At the end of those seven reformers and the prophet, at the end of the seventh age, and all this be done, he said, is there one more? Is there one more? We don't have time to get into the, those two chapters of two and three and to see what God did and all the promises that was laid up because each one carries over to the next age. That promise for that overcomer, that promise that overcomer, you will partake of the tree of life. You will partake of the tree of life. To he who overcomes, I will grant to sit with me in my throne. To he who overcomes, and that faith is built, and that faith is built, and that faith is built, and that's where you're standing at that morning, this morning, in that moment, in that anointing, of the Holy Ghost in your day, in your hour for this message. So David, as a young boy, had been anointed by Samuel. The prophet comes along and anoints him. The next thing you do, you find him here a little while later, and he's testifying of how he killed a bear and how he killed a lion. Someone the size of Brother Samuel right here had killed a bear and killed a lion. And not just, I got a high pirate rifle, I hit him from a long ways away. No, got right up on him. Grabbed him by the beard and slit his throat. He wasn't scared. See, I would say a bear's pretty big. Bears move pretty fast. Lions move pretty fast. They're very fierce. That They would take your life like that, but not the same choice. He didn't have a chance in the presence of David. That lion, that bear, under the anointing that was on that boy, had no chance at David. You understand? This is a natural type. This is under the old blood, the blood of bulls and goats. Under that day, under that hour of what was going on then, God building something, God starting something. Then he comes along the next test. He comes, all those tests come along in threes, right there pretty quickly. You had the lion, you had the bear, then you had a giant. The giant's testimony was that, am I a dog that you come at me with sticks and staves? And I heard a brother preaching long years ago that he said, you know, I never thought about that. I done whooped a lion, I done whooped a bear. A, lion, a dog's going to be pretty easy. A dog's going to be pretty easy, comparatively. You kill a lion, that's hard. Kill a bear, that's hard. Dog, that's going to be easy. So you're identifying yourself as a dog. I can do that. I can take down a dog. No big deal because I know who's with me. I know you're bluffed. That man had stood there all those days before and made that bluff and made that bluff and made that bluff. And this other man who had lost that anointing was standing there shaking in his boots. He had fear in him. This other man who was big, who was strong, who was trained for war, who was even dressed, looked like accordingly, with battle armor on. He was trained for it, but he was scared to death. I can't go out to meet him. You're going to go out to meet him? What's wrong with you? How could you have a chance? You're just a, a youth. He's been a warrior since his youth. Satan's been around a long time, whooping a lot of people. He's got a lot of notches in his belt. He done took down a lot of people. He's not going to take you down. He ain't got a chance at you. 
Yes, he's got plenty of experience. He's had marvelous success, the prophet would say, uh, under that. But he ain't never drove into someone like you before. And you're thinking, I'm ruddy. I'm weak. I'm the weakest Christian in the room. What chance would I have against my enemy? No, no, no. What chance did your enemy have against you? Not one. You've been anointed for war. You've been anointed for a body change. You've been predestined, and your body is being changed now, bringing your mind, your thought, your heart, everything into the exposed reality of what you are, of what he's made you, of what he's made you. See, I said that earlier, he's the captain of our salvation. I myself am not a savior. I myself am not a fighter, but he is. He's able. Lift up ye gates. Lift up ye everlasting gate. Let the king of glory come in. And it happened. And it happened. His word. His word. His word. Chapter 4, verse 1. Keep that anointing in mind. You're always anointed. You believe that this morning? The word has come into your heart, a heart full of faith, not a heart full of unbelief. It has anointed you. The Holy Ghost has quickened your life to where you can believe, and it only happens because you always were a seed. And because of that, you will go back from where you come. You think about directions this morning. You think about directions. Each one of us drove here from the direction of where you live. Or at least, I knew I'd be there. Or at least uh, maybe you stayed at a hotel, maybe you stayed visiting or something along those lines. You come from a certain direction. But at the end of the day, you'll go back to where you come from, back to your home, right? Unless you're visiting in a hotel, wherever you come from, that's where you'll go back to because it's home. That's the same thing in the negative. If you didn't come from heaven, you're not going to go back to heaven. If you come from somewhere else, that's where you'll go back to. Natural brute beasts made to be taken and destroyed. He said, Esau, I've hated before he ever done any good or bad. Keep that in mind this morning. Chapter 4, verse 1. <clears throat> and we've just come through the, the seven church ages. And, and, and John, and, and I love this. I've been reading on this a lot this morning, that, that John has got to see all seven church ages. He's got to see each one of those angel messengers, each one of those seven stars in the hand of the Lord Jesus. And he's got to see each one come to pass. And it's It's beautiful. Because I, I would be pretty, I can't read this book right here on those seven church ages without coming up fired up, inspired of what God did in those men's day. And what God did just for, and I get confused whether it was Irenaeus or that, that he had a, a, a certain uh, city that he wanted to go to to witness to the king or someone there. And when he got there, they wouldn't let him in the gates. Wouldn't even let they shut these big gates up behind him. So he sits outside on the sidewalk or on the street or the road, whatever it was, and he starts singing. We had a little singing here last night. He sat there and he started singing. And God amplified his voice so loud it blew the gates off the town. Blew them off. This is history. You're like, well, that can't happen. With man, with man it can't happen. With God, it is. If you're anointed for something, supernatural things will happen. I, I said that last night. We had a singing here last night. And I got to thinking about the walls of Jericho. This is just a foretaste of what God, you know, these five services or more, 
that that we that we've got here in these this building until you know after next Wednesday a week from Wednesday and, and it's it's amazing just in worship alone just in singing alone we we just kind of impromptu and real quick together got together last night and, and and just come in and we sing and and you know it's easy to think that that maybe just because just a few of us was here maybe it seemed quiet maybe whatever whatever you might think of what took away from what happened last night but when those words start coming out of the lips and the throat and the chest and the diaphragm of a heart that's been redeemed. It's not just sitting here singing some little ditty. You understand? It's not just singing some little worldly song. You're singing life. And those words are powerful, especially if you're anointed for it. Uh, again, go back to the, the children of Israel walking around the city of Jericho, just walking around singing and just shouting and praising the Lord. And God took his hand and he smashed the walls in the ground. Just from singing. Oh, we're just having a singing. It's no big deal. It's just, it's just, no, it's no big deal. We we talked about that leaving last night about that recording of the song Hallelujah uh, about a church back in the late 80s, early 90s, just so people were gathered in their church building to sing it. There's cleaning or something like that or doing something, and they started singing the song Hallelujah. Another person walks in with a small recorder and just sits in and records, hear them singing, just different brothers or sisters cleaning, whatever it was in the church, and records that when they play it back. Pick up on that recording, on those sound waves. You can hear angels singing along with them. Angels singing along with them. No, that's, that's, that's on some kind of TV show. That's some kind of fantastic imagination. No, this is real. This is real. You're not sitting alone in your pew this morning. You understand how packed out and full it is with angels and all those from the other dimension that are sitting right here now because they come with him at his coming? You understand that? That there's an innumerable host of angels all around you right now? That the angels of the Lord encamp around those that fear him. Raise your hand this morning if you fear the Lord. I'm not fear as a coward. I mean fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. It's understanding that he's God and he's God alone. So if only one of you would have raised your hand this morning, you'd have known there's a complete company of angels around this building right now because the word says so. Now, you get out there and walk around and try to see them right now. You'd walk right through them. You'd walk right through them. I heard a brother testimony testify <coughs> just the other day. He was preaching, and he remember uh, two different things that had happened at two different times. He said, I'm preaching in the room, and it, maybe it seemed like a real quiet, like maybe nobody was getting stirred up, and he's wondering, Lord, am I picked the right sermon? Is this, is this what you want to say? He said, and am I right side? My view, I watched a man walk through the wall. I watched him walk through the wall, walk right through the pews, come over here and sit down. And I watched that while I was preaching. Walked right through the pews, not down the aisle, through the pews and sat down. He said, I said, Lord, I'll take that. I was preaching a little while after that. Had the same wonder. People aren't saying much. People aren't shouting praise the Lord. Maybe these things aren't stirring your heart. And he's saying, God, is this what you have for these people? He said, a light come in the room, come right over my Bible, kind of zigzag and went back out the door. He said, Lord, I'll take that. I kept on preaching. This is the word of God. I understand each one of you right now are sitting in battle. Satan is against you from the time you wake up, from the time you go to bed. He's constantly against you, trying to keep you distracted, trying to keep you from moving into that heavenly place with him. Even right now, whatever it might be, maybe my voice is too loud. Maybe it's too raspy. Maybe it's too dry. Whatever it is, and Satan's gotten you focusing on that instead of the words that I'm saying. These words are life. Jesus said, my words are life. They're life and they're truth. These aren't my words I'm sharing with you. I'm sharing with you his words. 
Revelation chapter 4, verse 1. It's a lot slower, and there it goes. With a bottle of water and a glass. After this, I looked. After all of those church ages, after all the supernatural things God did, and John is allowed there in the Spirit of the Lord, brought forward into the future. I, I want you to catch this now. He's been brought forward from the Isle of Patmos way up into your day. Brought forward from the Isle of Patmos 2,000 years ago, way up into your day right now. Has gotten to see all these things, supernatural, God paradoxical things happen. And he's standing there, and if it was me, I'd be reeling. What just happened? What just happened? And then he testifies it like this. After everything God has done, after every revival and all the move of God that he's done, and he testifies it like this. After this, all of those things, after this, I looked and beheld. He said, I looked and behold. I looked and behold. A door was opened in heaven. After all those things, a door was opened in heaven. Now, a very particular thing is going on right now. And again, we don't have time to, to tell what happened at the end of the Laodicean church age as God was transitioning from the seventh to the eighth, back to that new day, to that bright age, the prophet would call it, coming into what God is doing now. And then it's very interesting as you walk through the book of Revelations and, and the book of Daniel and the book of Matthew and, and Luke 17 and, and all those different things, and you see how God is placing this and he's placing this and he's placing this, all these things at the wrapping up, at the ending of the Gentile dispensation. But a door was opened. The reason this door was opened is because the door was opened. That seems very plain. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. He said, I am the door that enters into the sheepfold. Jesus said these words. And now you have John that was with him when he said that, standing here, moved, time traveled, 2,000 years in the future, and now he gets to see with his own eyes, I see it open. Ephesians would call it gained access in that holy of holies. Gained access. If we had several hours, we can jump into what Moses was allowed to see into that type of the, the outer court, the inner court, in the holy of holies, and how such reverence and respect that it meant, and we talked about earlier, what taking something that was dead and placing it into that life, what it did. That holy of holies in that Shekinah glory there in the temper, the tabernacle in the wilderness, you could take a dead stick and walk in there and lean against the wall and it would start to bloom and make figs or almonds, almond trees, what it was from. They didn't stick it in the ground. They didn't want miracle grow on it. They didn't even put water on it. They took the dead stick and leaned it against the wall there in the Shekinah glory and it brought it to life. So you think about the square footage in that room. You know, Moses was told that you must have this article of furniture, this article of furniture. The Ark of the Covenant must be this size, but this size, certain amount of staves, certain amount of hooks, all these different things, certain amount of lampstands. But then, as that was set there on the same ordinary earth that you would walk over, that same, uh, let's just say that it was 20 foot wide by 30 foot, let's say it's that big, that 20 by 30 room exited this dimension into that. You understand those gates, you walked in this court, into that court, into that court. You've done move. You're no longer in this fourth dimension. You've stepped into something else. Is that too far-fetched? Uh, okay, maybe, maybe it seems too far-fetched, maybe too much like imagination. How many of you here have ever took a dead stick and leaned it against the wall of your house and it started bearing figs or almonds? 
Nobody? You live in the fourth dimension. Those things don't happen in the fourth dimension. You get sick, you die. You get sick, you die. The, 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 the tree dies, it rots, it falls to the ground. You have something you cut off even. It was alive, you cut it off, and now it will eventually die and eventually turn to dust in this world. But when it's moved into that world, it begins to come back to life. Oh, like, what a strange thought. What a strange paradox. Again, a paradox is something that's unbelievable, yet it's true. Unbelievable, yet it's true. So you take something, just the amount of square footage of that right there, and you put heaven on earth. Now, what if you were to walk across that exact same spot today? You would walk through there and think nothing of it. You might not even know. You, you might, you, there's probably no way to even tell the exact dimensions or boundaries of where it was. It's possible. And you might walk through there today and just you know, kind of like, no, I didn't even know nothing. But th that was the presence of the Shekinah glory right there on that spot. But what if, what if you've been moved into a realm? What if you've been moved into a place to where that you could walk upon the boundaries, the exact dimensions of where that was at? Wait a minute, something's different from there to here. Something's different from there to here. And it's not nothing to be, uh, to be worshipped and those things, but you understand that something different is here. And, and I'll say it like that because you think about the bones of Elisha. Think about the bones of Elisha. Elisha was under that anointing of the Lord. He was in the presence of the Lord. And so much so when the, he died, the Bible says, from the disease wherewith Elisha died, the disease wherewith Elisha. So he died from a disease. So you understand that Elisha died. He could have been healed, but he died from a disease. They laid his body in a tomb. And then so many years later, after he's unturned to just like the bones, another, a few believers come out to bury their friend. And these other, I think it's the Moabites, come up. They chunk the body in there, and it lands on the same bones, and he comes right back to life. Why didn't they do it to the bones beside him? Why didn't they do it to any other bones? Those bones were anointed. And the difference between Elisha and even Elijah, Elisha got a double portion. Elisha got a double portion to even what Elijah got. See, today, on that fourth use of that Elijah spirit, we have the prophet of our day, that Laodicean messenger, which was the seventh star in the hand of the Lord Jesus, which is the seventh angel messenger that Revelation 10, 7 talks about. That was the Elijah of our day. The bride is the Elisha of this day. Double portion. Double portion. And if you would just take what God did in Elijah of this day's life, and then you multiply by two, you see a body change. You take what God did in that man's life, and you multiply it by two. It grows out exponentially. It's not just doubled. It's multiplied. Jesus said this, these works shall I do, but greater than these, because I go to the Father. He's these, these works that I do, you'll do, but greater works than these do. Greater. How could anything be greater than what the tree of life did in flesh before? Because now the tree of life in the anointing, in the presence of this day, is not just in one human vessel walking around, but he's in many human vessels walking around. Let's go back to the door. Revelation chapter 4, verse 1. After this I looked, and behold, Look at the way it's, that it's, it's stated. I looked, and then I behold. A door was. A door was. It was opened. A door was opened. Now you got access. A door was opened. And the first voice which I heard, 
the first voice which I heard was as it were of a trumpet talking with me which said come up hither come up hither and I'll show thee these things which must be hereafter John was not a type of the foolish virgin John was a type of the bride he said come up higher come up higher but wait a minute if we're talking about going up um, well I would assume he's in the heaven he's in the sky he's in the stars that's not where he went and in space if you think about that if you're standing in space which way's up which way's up if you're standing in space that very thought is going to be considered relative by your own which way you're laying which way if you lay down this way because there's no gravity maybe that way's up maybe that way's up maybe that way's up up is into him come up into him into him and he grabs you and he pulls you up into him this isn't i'm gonna oh i'm gonna pick god oh i chose god all these things no no no. god picked me i love god because he loved me he picked me he chose me he predestinated me before the foundation of the world and the reason i get to love him is because he first loved me the bible teaches that he said i heard as was the voice which I heard, the first voice which I heard was as it were of a trumpet talking with me, which said, come up hither, and I will show thee things which must be hereafter. And immediately, 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 I was in the Spirit. I was in the Spirit. And behold, again, he's beholding, a throne was set in heaven, and one sat on the throne. I, I wish I had time to jump back to 11.1 to talk about what that one looks like. How that a, a, a fire it just proceeds out from before him. That he's considered the ancient of days. How this I am, this Elohim, this God, this one that sat on this throne. He shows that he is God and he is God alone. He wasn't brought before a lower heaven. He wasn't brought before a lower magistrate through a mayor, through a governor, through a president. He come before the throne. For example, Brother Random is standing in the desert in Arizona, and the Lord, he's standing, and the Lord, he's praying, and the Lord drops a sword into his hand. He holds his hands up, and a sword comes into his hand. And the, the angel told him, he said, this is the sword of the king. And he thought, okay, I'm scared of swords. I don't understand. What do you mean by the sword of the king? And he's like, wait a minute. He didn't say the sword of a king, King George, King, any other king throughout the time, King Herod. No, the king. See, the Bible's not going to make pretense where, oh, uh, this guy's a king, or this guy. No, 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 there's only one king. There's only one king. And the sword is the word of the Lord. The sword uh, is the word of the Lord, and the word always comes to the prophets. You agree with that? The word comes to the prophet. He said, immediately I was in the spirit. Immediately I was in the spirit. I love that. And one sat on the throne. And he said, sat, he that sat was to look upon like a jasper and a sardine stone. And there was a rainbow round about the throne. There was a rainbow around about the throne. In sight, like unto an emerald. If you had a way in your mind to close your eyes and think about such a sight, that there's one sitting on the throne, and the only way they could think to describe it in a, such a quick manner was that he's like a jasper and a sardine stone. Beautiful. Beautiful. Holy, precious, live, and it looks like a rainbow. See, a rainbow, the very first time a rainbow was given was through a covenant. The very first time a rainbow ever existed was from a covenant. 
that God had destroyed the earth through the water of the floods of Noah. God destroyed, and he set his bow in the earth to remind him of his promise. I'll never destroy the world through water again. I'll never do it again. I will only be done next time through fire, but God's promise. You're seeing, once again, a promise of God through that covenant. And he stand there. He said, there was a rainbow about the throne in sight like unto an emerald. And round about the throne were four and twenty seats. Four and twenty seats. Twenty-four seats. And upon those seats, upon the seats, I saw four and twenty elders sitting, clothed in white raiment. Clothed in white raiment. You understand, this is a heavenly vision. This is what God sees. You understand me this morning? This is what God sees. He didn't say, I saw the 12 sons of Jacob and then the 12 disciples. He didn't say, I'm seeing them now, and they've all got these different clothes on and different things. No, no, it's a heavenly white raiment. They're bleached. They're washed. They're clean. There's no sin stain on them. They're sitting there perfect. This vision tells you of your brothers and sisters. Again, do you believe this is your family? This is the family of God. He, you think he's going to talk about your brother like in such a way and he doesn't have the same intent for you? To be washed so clean that when God is relaying this and letting John see this vision and John can say, oh, yeah, I will agree, look at him. It's perfect white raiment. Perfect white raiment. Redeemed. How I love to proclaim it. Clothed in white raiment and they had on their heads crowns of gold. They had on their heads crowns of gold. And out of the throne proceeded lightnings and thunderings. Again, this is Daniel 11 says the same thing. Out of the throne proceeded lightnings and thunderings and voices. And there were seven lamps of fire burning before the throne. Seven lamps of fire burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. Now, he just went through. In his, in his time lapse, if you were able to keep things moving along, what's done happened to John in the last certain amount of time, that he had just seen the seven stars in the hand of the Lord Jesus. Then in Revelation chapter 1, he stands there in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks, had the seven stars in his hand, showing that those seven angel messengers were his, and that they would speak only what he spoke. They would say only what he said, and they would deliver the message of God, and that word would be planted in the earth. That seed will be planted in the earth. And now here, most of us aren't 2,000 years ago, two years old, but we'd be able to take that same seed because it keeps coming to fruition and keeps bringing life. And you can take that life and you inject that life because it's the Word of God. Even if it's in seed form, it takes it and you consume it and your body is being changed because of it. God takes that Word. And it's not just left on written words on a page, but He's got where you can go back through and you can see it become alive. And you can see it become alive. And you can see Him become alive. And you prove that He's the same yesterday, today, and forever as He is right now. In this moment, John is standing in. Because, again, we would think many times that that was so long ago. He died so long ago. So long ago. 2,000 years. Billions of believers have believed him since then. What could be left for you? Billions of believers, billions of things have been said. What could be left for you? What could be true anymore? What could be left? How could it be so powerful that all these years later you could come along with a heart full of faith and read this and see your name written down? Seven lamps of fire. Seven lamps of fire, those seven angel messengers which are the seven spirits of God, before the throne, 
and before the throne there was a sea of glass. And again, this is what Moses saw. This is why Moses typed that in that tabernacle in the wilderness. In Moses' day, that type for him was the brazen labor, where the priest would have to come into and clock throws me off. That priest would have to come into and wash his hands and his feet as he went into the Holy of Holies. And you find out right away, you find out the way of your purification. Right there at the beginning of it, right before the throne, before you get the throne, you see the way to be cleansed. That sea of glass, which is your cleansing. And it takes and it washes you. And, and we'll get over to something in a minute where he calls you something, and you'll see that this is how he's done it. And before the throne, there was a sea of glass like unto crystal. Sea of glass. Now, this doesn't say creek. It doesn't say watering hole. It doesn't say river. It says a sea. A sea of glass, like unto crystal, in the midst of the throne. Now we're back to the throne. And round about the throne were four beasts, full of eyes before and behind. Full of eyes before and behind. Look at that. Look at the way it describes that. The first beast was like a lion. The second beast was like a calf. The third beast had a face as a man. The fourth beast was like a flying eagle. Like a flying eagle. You now find the type of your day. Not to be crawling, not to be walking, but to be flying high in the heavenlies. We're talking about a door opened in heaven. The four beasts had each of them six wings about him. Each beast had six wings about him. That's italicized, about him. And they were full of eyes within. They were full of eyes within. And they rest not day and night saying, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, which was, which is, which is to come. And when those four beasts, when those four beasts give glory and honor and thanks to him that sat on the throne, those four beasts, you think about these four types, these four dispensations, that's Christ in each one of them. That's Christ in each one of them. And then all those that believed through under each dispensation, the lamb, the, 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 the first beast, the second beast, the lion, the calf, the man, and the flying eagle. That was, you notice they said that four beasts was about him, and it's italicized. But then you have those that believed that come out of that day, and they rested not daily and night, and they made this statement. He's holy, he's holy, he's holy. The Lord God Almighty, which was, which is, and is to come. And verse 9, and when those four beasts... Those four beasts give glory and honor and thanks to him that sat on the throne who liveth forever and ever. The four and twenty elders also fell down. The four and twenty elders also fell down before him that sat on the throne and worship him that liveth forever and ever and cast their crowns before the throne saying, that was their same response when they heard this worship going on, when they would see a life that was changed and what God had done. They said, I believe he's the same way. I believe he's the same God, and I'll fall at his feet and worship him just like that. They testified with it. They said amen to it. They believed the God that's being glorified and worshiped in that moment. We will worship him in that way. They fell down and they cast their thrones before the throne saying, Thou art worthy. Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for Thou hast created all things, and for Thy pleasure they are and were created. We're not talking about, uh, again, some governor, some mayor, some president. We're talking about the very creator of all that there is. And their response was, Thou art worthy. 
Thou art worthy, O Lord. Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. Glory and honor and power, for thou hast created all things. And for thy pleasure they are and were created. Verse chapter 5, verse 1. We're working to something, if you'll stay with me. Chapter 5, verse 1. And I saw in the right hand of him, this same one that's worthy of all this glory and of all this honor, the same one that is the creator. I saw in the right hand of him that sat on the throne a book written within and on the backside, written within and on the backside, the book of life, the Lamb's book of life, written on within and on the backside, and it was sealed with seven seals. Verse 2, and I saw a strong angel, a strong angel, proclaiming, proclaiming with a loud voice. And you think about what's the point of a proclamation? What's the point of a proclamation? Why would you need to say a proclamation? It's to let you know something's changing. Pay attention. Something's changing. Something's different. Something's about to happen. We're not talking about in a bar room. We're not talking about in your game hall. Any of those things, we're talking about seated in heavenly places. And this proclamation comes out. Pay attention. Something's about to happen. Something that means everything to you, I hope. This strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, he asked this question about this book that was just described. Who is worthy? Who is worthy? Who is worthy to open the book and to loose the seals thereof? Who is worthy? Who is worthy? Now, it always comes back to you. It always comes back to you this morning, sitting right here. Because otherwise, I'm just reading words. Uh, what, what does your, your heart, what does your life, what does your mind estimate these words to be worth? How do you equate words? That that you would find something to be worthy, that you would be find something that would be real, something that you would say, that means everything to me. I, I've read that to you there in Matthew qu quite a bit here lately about the man that sold everything he had. He had found a pearl a great price, and he sold everything he had. That was he sold his car, he sold his house, he sold his best suits of clothes, everything he had to get that, to get that to get that one, to get that person, to get this very one that's sitting on this throne. He sold everything he had to get this. And then you find that, that there's a proclamation that comes forth to ask. We just finished up verse 11 of chapter 4 saying that this one is worthy. And now as you describe what's in his hand and it's something that was hid before the foundation of the world, which again, just to be plain, it means that Adam did not have access to it. Because Adam was he built, designed, created after the foundation of the world, not before. As far as the physical body, he didn't have access because it was hidden before then. These seals were put there on before the foundation of the world. And now you're being told about them here in chapter 5. And John, he said, verse 3, he said, No man in heaven, no man in heaven, nor in earth, neither under the earth, was able to open the book, neither to look thereon. Now, here's where redemption comes in. We've described this throne. We've described this creator. We've described this Elohim, this I am. And he's sitting there, and he's got in his hand the very thought and intent and purpose of God in a book, and it has seals upon the book. Those seals were put there. They're hid away. But it needs a man to open it. It needs a man to open it. And there you find a redeemer. 
You find a redeemer that would be able to come, that would be able to prove that he'd sacrifice his life for his brother, his sister, for his heart, for his mate. He would sacrifice all that he is. He would not just sacrifice his life. He would sacrifice his will, his idea, and lay down and be obedient to the, even to the point of death for you. Had to be a man. Now, this couldn't just be a normal man like you and I. It has to be a human body. It has to be born through a human womb. It has to come forth. It has to eat the same food you eat, drink the same water you drink. It has to breathe the same air you eat. All this without power of the world to come. He must be able to do this and be able to insert a certain way and yet at the end of the day still be worthy. At the end of the day still be worthy. Now, as John is seeing this throne and this picture that's before the throne, and he says, everyone, everywhere I look, everyone's on their knees worshiping this one that's worthy. He's worthy. He's worthy of all praise. He's worthy of all honor. And I, I'm on my knees as well. That's God. That's the creator. He's worthy of all the honor and praise. But now we see this book as it, the vision unfolds, and he sees what's in his hand because there's a purpose to God. You believe that? There's a purpose to God. It's not just him to sit back and I'm God, I'm worthy of worship, and you just move about your life and, and I'll strike you dead anytime I need to. No, God has a plan. He has a purpose. He has a will. And it becomes evident right here in this book that's there. You have a general record in the first part of the book. On the back back of the book, you have the Lamb's Book of Life where that name that was inscribed before the foundation of the world that he put there. You with me this morning? Your name that was put there. And now that name is sealed away and it's sitting there in the right hand of this one that's on the throne. And he said, no man in heaven nor in earth, neither under the earth, was able to open the book, neither to even look thereon, not even to be able to, but couldn't even open it to look thereon. Maybe it was open and he walked by and not even, not even. Look at the plan of God. Maybe you'd have the same response as your brother John. Verse 4, he said, and I wept much. I wept much. Maybe he shed one tear. Maybe two, no, he's crying his eyes out. He's crying his eyes out. There's not a way. I can't get to him. I can't get to him. I want to get to him. But right now, he's that far away, and I can't get to him. No different than Esther before the throne of King Ahasuerus. If, if he didn't put that scepter down and bid her to come, she would have been killed immediately. It would have taken her life. You can't come through without him bidding for you to come forward in that presence. And John is sitting there, and I see the book, and that keeps you from the throne. But he's sitting there. There's no man in heaven, no man in earth. And his response was, I wept much. Because no man was found worthy to open and to read the book, neither to look thereon. I love verse 5. One of the elders, one of those elders, which one could it have been? Would it have been Paul? Four and twenty-four elders, the twelve, uh, the twelve disciples, or the twelve of the tribe of, 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 of Israel's children, Jacob's sons, those twelve sons of Jacob. That's who the twelve. You have twelve sons of Jacob. You have the twelve disciples, and that you understand that Judas was not the one meant to be the disciple. He was called because Paul wasn't transformed yet. So they tried to vote in Matthias. They voted on. They drew straws. They picked Matthias. Matthias was not God's pick, but God's pick was not worth being around at that moment. Think about that, God. You would not have wanted to be friends with Paul. You wouldn't have been friends with Saul. 
You would not have wanted to. If you'd have mentioned the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, he'd have took your head off. But he was to be a disciple. He was to be one of these elders sitting there. It was always meant to be that way. And one of the elders, I'd love to know which one. Verse 5, one of the elders saith unto me, this John that's been weeping much, says, weep not, weep not. And again, that word behold, understand, grasp, fathom, let your mind see what God has for you. Weep not, behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, the root of you know where Judah comes from? You know the line that proceeded forth from him is. You also understand what a root is. A root is not the plant. He said, I am the vine, you are the branches. David would have been called him, that's my root. If you were to trace that root, or let's call it a scarlet thread, and just keep tracing it all the way back. It runs all the way back to the I am, all the way back to Elohim. He said, I come from him, and because I come from him, I go back to him. If you looked at one side, it's almost like a loop, like a circle. That's where I come from, and I'll come back, and I'll go right back to him. It's amazing. The lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, hath prevailed to open the book to loose the seven seals thereof. So this elder just told John, stop crying. Stop weeping. It's okay. Don't worry. God has a way. God has a way. And he uses the lion of the tribe of Judah to do that. So John now turns to look at this lion. He's looking for a lion. Big, strong, mighty lion. The most powerful, most aggressive. The, the king of the forest. He's looking for that lion. Because you know the, the enemy, the contrast, walks around like a lion. Wants you to think he's a lion. Wants you to know that he's a lion. And he roars and all these things. And if you looked at him, you might would say, I guess that's a lion. But he's not. He's like a lion. So when John turns to look for the lion... The one with all the power, the king of the forest, the king of the world, the king of your life, the king of creation. What does John see? Verse 6, And I beheld, and lo, in the midst of the throne, and of the four beasts, and the midst of the elders, stood a lamb. Stood a lamb. As it had been slain. As it had been slain, having seven horns, seven eyes which are the seven spirits of God sent forth into all the earth he didn't see a lion he saw a lamb he saw the God the way that God made access the way that God made a way verse 7 and he came this lamb he came and he took the book out of the right hand of him that sat upon the throne he took that book and verse 8 when he had taken the book the four beasts and the four and twenty elders fell down before the Lamb, having every one of them harps and golden vials full of odors, which are the prayers of the saints. And they fell down and worshipped this Lamb, because this Lamb is God. Verse 9, and here's where we started with tonight, this morning. They sung a new song. A new song. It doesn't mean that someone's sitting over in the bleachers, someone's in the train, okay, oh, I see what just happened. Let me write this down real quick and give it to you. No, it was a new song to them. You understand that? It was a new song to them. They'd never seen redemption like this. They, they, they kind of maybe were getting an idea of what God was doing, but now it gets to be a clear picture. Now you're getting an understanding. Now you're actually seeing things fall into place, and it's not just from, you know, 
this might happen this way or it's going to happen this way. Okay, okay. But then all of those things are coming into fruition. And you're seeing him step forth. The lion of the tribe of Judah stepped forth. And their response was, sing a new song, saying, Thou art worthy, thou art worthy, thou art worthy to take the book, to open the seals thereof. For thou wast slain and hast redeemed us to God by thy blood. Thy blood out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation and has made us. Here's where that sea of glass comes into place. His own blood. He's washed you from your sins and loosed you by his own blood. Has made us unto our God kings and priests and we shall reign on the earth. We shall reign. We shall reign on the earth. We shall reign on the earth. That's beautiful. But again, this is you in the wheelbarrow. This is you. What a mighty God we serve. What a mighty God we serve. Verse 11, And I beheld, and I heard the voice of many angels round about the throne, and the beasts and the elders, and the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy. Worthy, worthy, worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. And every creature which is in heaven and on the earth and under the earth and such as are in the sea and all that are in them heard I saying, they heard him screaming, they heard him testifying, they heard him shouting. They wouldn't sit beside him in a church service saying, are you here? Are you alive? Are you no, he said, everyone heard me. Everyone heard me because I saw my name on the book. That's my name. Blessing and honor and glory and power be unto him that sitteth upon the throne and unto the Lamb forever and ever. You understand the difference there. You've seen he watched all those in heaven. He watched all the four and 24 elders. He watched each one of them fall down and worship him. And now they got to watch him fall down and worship him. It became personal. It became very real to him. It wasn't just it was in the days of the Bible. It wasn't just in the days of the prophet. It was right now for you in your moment sitting right here today. The same one. The same one. Do you have that kind of a, a relationship with him this morning? That sitteth upon the throne and under the Lamb forever and ever. Is he on the throne of your heart this morning? And the four beasts said, Amen. They amened it too. Isn't that amazing? They amened it too. They said, so be it. He got a vision. He got a revelation. He was able to slip into that holy of holies. And they said, that's correct. We agree. That's God. They said, amen. And the four and twenty elders fell down and worshiped him that liveth forever and ever. Let's all stand our feet this morning. If we can have the musicians come. I want to sing that song again that we opened this morning with. Holy, holy, holy. And I'm praying that from what I've read to you this morning, that you would have the same response after you've seen what God has done for you in his word. That that's how he made a way. That that's how he's changed your life. If your life has been changed this morning, you see what God did through that redemption.
to bring you into his presence, to bring you from what you were once in. Again, redemption coming out of and coming into him. You come out of that and you go into him, into his presence, into his life. You're not what you once were. You're different now. You're better now because of him, because of him in your life. You're not to be this morning the same person you walked in an hour or two hours ago. Your life is to be changed in his presence. One word of God, every single word of God is creative. Every single word of God is creative. The Bible talks about here a little, there a little, here a little, there a little. Yet word comes into you. Maybe you, you, you can't remember this morning. Maybe you can't remember what you had two Mondays ago for lunch, three Tuesdays ago for breakfast, six Sundays ago for whatever it might be. But that food, you took and you brought it into you, and you're still alive today because you ate it. If you had not eaten the last few months, you'd not be standing here today. You'd be dead. That's a natural but what would this word do when you take it into your heart full of faith and you can believe that it's true? And you'll water it with your amen. I believe that. I believe that to be true. And it's not just for John. It's for me. Because he's alive.
Thank you. 